Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, and welcome to today's meeting of the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm Linda Calhoun, founder and executive producer, Career Girls, and chair of the club's member-led forum. I have a couple of housekeeping announcements before I introduce my co-sponsor of today's program, Celia Menchel, who is also the chair of the Middle East Forum, and um, she will say a few words. Uh, Our program today, Fruits of Peace, is a free program, but um, we'd be delighted if you could go to commonwealthclub.org to donate. I'd like to give a special thanks to those of you who have already donated. We are the nation's oldest and largest public affairs forum. And as a nonprofit that generates revenue through events, you can imagine how much we appreciate your donation during these difficult times. To learn more about upcoming live stream programs, we invite you to check out our website for a complete listing. For today's program, we're accepting questions for our speakers through chat on YouTube. There's a chat window on the right side of the video window. So now I am delighted to uh, turn the program over to Celia Menchel, who is chair of the Middle East member-led forum and the co-sponsor for our program today, Roots of Peace. Thank you, Linda. Um, I'd like to thank Linda as a who's a friend and also chair of the club's member-led International Relations Forum. There's about 15 forums at the club and they're all doing wonderful programming on a variety of subjects. I would like to mention one that's tomorrow for the Middle East Forum, same time, same place, except it's in person and online. It's called the Shiraka Project um, and the Abraham Accords. It's a diverse panel and you can find out more at commonwealthclub.org. Besides thanking dear Linda, I'd like to thank staff and especially Heidi and Atta. The three of them um, in particular are humanitarians. And um, yes, they, uh, especially um, Heidi and Atta who are dedicated to helping others around the world. As is Linda, forgive me. There are two things I want to mention of a personal nature. The first thing is that tonight is Kristallnacht, and that's all I'll say. It's an anniversary of Kristallnacht. The second thing that I'd like to say is that during World War II, my father, an English Christian, joined the English Army, the Royal Engineers. He didn't have to go because he had me. I was a baby. (laughs) And he volunteered to fight, to save the Jews, his Jewish wife, to save England, and to conquer the Nazis. He was assigned to the Royal Engineers and went to Normandy, where his his job was to um, to, uh, find um, landmines, and then other people would... um, take them apart. But unfortunately, he missed one and he stepped on it and he was blown to pieces, not death. Um, I I guess he lost his leg, his eye, his ears. He never recovered. He was a totally different man. 
and PTSD, and they didn't know how to treat it in 1943. So I'm carrying on a tiny bit, but you see, one of the connections I have to Roots of Peace is that Heidi, for over 25 years, I think it's the anniversary this month or last month, has been going around the world uh, seeking landmines that mostly now children step on. That's all I'll say. God bless you all. Thank you. Thank you so much, Celia, for sharing that incredibly moving personal reflection. Now, I would like to introduce our moderator, Argandwal, Atta Argandwal, a first-generation Afghan-American humanitarian and author, motivational speaker, and former financial services professional. He was born in Kabul, Afghanistan, but has spent over half his life in the West, residing in the Bay Area of California. And then next, it's my extreme pleasure to introduce our distinguished speaker, Heidi Kuhn, who is the CEO and founder of Roots of Peace. 25 years ago, Heidi, a former reporter for major media networks, founded Roots of Peace and has been dedicated to cultivating peace and helping to rebuild war-torn countries by turning the scourge of landmined areas into profitable agricultural lands. Before we hear from them, I'd like to set the context for you um, and this discussion with a video that was filmed just a few days ago about Roots of Peace and a family that they were able to uh, help escape to Doha. So if we could play that video, please. This was the late night scene at the airport in Doha, Qatar. A large bus arrived with Afghan families who'd been evacuated from Kabul and had their documents processed at a military base. They were greeted by a very excited Bay Area Roots of Peace founder, Heidi Kuhn. We're feeling well, we are feeling good, and uh, uh, I thank you so much, uh, you and uh, uh, Mr. Heidi Kuhn and the CEO of Roots of Peace that helped a lot. To see that bus come in, escorted by the police, and be able to see that family, that one family that we had worked so hard to get them safely. We cannot show the faces of Sharif and his family because they have relatives in Afghanistan who might be at risk. We also changed his name to protect him. Now the family lives in Northern California. They were on vacation in Afghanistan when their world turned upside down and they became trapped. In the last days of August, we uh, try our best to evacuate, but due to the more crowd and um, misdiscipline and mismanagement, uh, we were not able to do that. Even my children become injured in during those, those crowds. But multiple times, he attempted to go to the airport. One of his children actually broke his leg due to the stampede that we saw in the horrific situation in August 2021. The State Department did very well, and they, they, they are giving very good facilities to each and everyone and they're taking care of each and every person. Heidi Kuhn and her team have been relentless about evacuating their most at-risk employees. She and her husband, Gary Kuhn, first flew to Islamabad, Turkey, to be close to the same time zone in Kabul right after the Taliban came into power August 15th. 
Then Heidi and I came to Doha, Qatar in late October with a personal appeal to anyone connected to the rescue effort. Slowly, Afghan families are getting out. Cherie's family has been through so much and they are finally here at the airport ready to head back home and start their lives all over again with memories they will never forget. And Roots of Peace is hoping to evacuate more Afghan employees who might be at risk. And many of them are Roots of Peace women, women who have gone out there, started their own businesses, looked to Roots of Peace as a role model and hired 80 women. Well, those women are now highly at risk. They're being hunted, they're running from home to home. I am not going to give up on those 34 additional Afghans who are most at risk. And agriculture is the main backbone of Afghanistan. Therefore, Roots of Peace is one of the biggest NGOs that are working in Afghanistan. And uh, this is our promise. This is the promise of Hedy Kuhn and Gary that, and my, me and other colleagues that we will support humanitarian activities, farmers to do our best. It's time to harvest the fresh fruits that we have planted. Six million fruit trees in all 34 provinces is the legacy, the sustainable legacy that Roots of Peace leaves behind 20 years after the war has ended. In Doha, Qatar, Cheryl Jennings, ABC 7 News. Thank you. Atta, please take it away. Thank you very much, Linda. Appreciate it. Uh, welcome to today's program of the Commonwealth Club. My name is Atta Argandewal. I'm the author of Lost Decency in the Self-Sufficient Global Citizen. I'll be your moderator for today's program, Roots of Peace in Afghanistan. Now, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, our distinguished speaker, Heidi Kuhn. Uh, 25 years ago, Heidi, a former uh, reporter from major media networks, founded Roots of Peace, dedicated this time to helping countries, uh, war-torn countries, in turning the scourge of uh, the land-minded minded areas uh, into profitable agricultural lands. A remarkable achievement. So with that, I'd like to welcome uh, to our program, uh, Heidi Kuhn. Thank you so much for that kind introduction, Atta, and it's such an honor uh, to be here once again at the Commonwealth Club of California. You know, I think we need to take footsteps backwards 25 years ago on September 21st, 1997. Uh, it's when I first learned of landmines. It was shortly after the late Princess Diana was tragically killed, and prior to her death, she catapulted the issue of landmines to the forefront of the international agenda. This is an anti-personnel landmine, and this is a bouncing Betty. And when the pressure of eight pounds, the average weight of a newborn child, is placed on this, it will detonate and fragment in all directions, maiming and killing innocent children. And Celia, I am so deeply touched by your personal words of your own father, for when landmines are planted in the ground, the grass grows, the flowers, bloom, yet these landmines are planted in the ground. Again, 60 million landmines silently poised today in over 60 countries. So I set out on a quest, born and raised in a beautiful place called Marin County, California, fifth generation with a family that taught me to respect the land and respect its people. And when I heard of landmines, I thought 
these do not belong in the one earth that we share. And so in the fall of 1997, at the event that was I was hosting for the Commonwealth Club of San Francisco, um, I, I set on a quest to the California Vintners, to incredible visionaries such as Robert Mandavi, Mienko Gergic, Diane Disney Miller, and Eric Wente of Wente Vineyards, Tor Kenward of Behringer, and Robert Mandavi sent his personal um, attache from Canada, and we went without a penny to our name, only with a vision of turning mines to vines, replacing the scourge of landmines with bountiful vineyards and orchards worldwide. We witnessed the signing of the Ottawa Treaty in December of 1997, and several months later launched Roots of Peace at the World Trade Club in San Francisco. I was sitting next to my Congresswoman, a lovely woman who said, I will be with you as long as it takes. That incredible woman's name is Nancy Pelosi, for I had the honor of being there on two occasions in Washington when the gavel went down and she was sworn in as the first woman speaker of the House. Roots of Peace is a bipartisan, interfaith, non-governmental organization. And we began our footsteps in Croatia in January 2000, the first footsteps of the new millennium. Mijenko Gergic was born in Croatia. He founded the uh, beautiful winery, Gergic Hills, which put the Napa Valley on the map in 1976 when he won the Paris tasting. But more than that, he was a humanitarian. And there were 1.2 million landmines silently poised in his beloved homeland of Croatia after the Balkan War. Together, we raised funds to remove these seeds of hatred sown into the ground in places called Vukovar, Dragalic, Chestamalic, Estabelica, Vukovar, and, and replace them with the beautiful grapes and, and that were indigenous to the regions that were along the Dalmatian coast. In, Af in Croatia, the wine is fermented and the juicy nectar of the grape is celebrated in a fine bottle of wine. A year later, the September 11th attacks hit the United States of America. And I learned about other grapes across the world. 70 varietals of grapes grow in Afghanistan. And in the 1940s, there was a professor named Dr. Harold Olmo. He was a professor at the University of California at Davis in viticulture and was considered one of the first Indiana Jones he would travel via horseback and gather the rootstock throughout the various provinces of Afghanistan and brought them back here to California as a living library where these rootstocks remain and propagated for decades. War came to Afghanistan, first the Soviet, the Civil War, and then, of course, the Taliban. And not only were the vineyards of Afghanistan burned, but then they were mined and another very generous vintner by the name of Diane Disney Miller would volunteer at my home. Week after week, she would come and observe how we were trying with very humble roots to plant the roots of peace. One day she took me to lunch. She wrote, when you're working in your basement, the biggest check I had ever seen, it was $200,000. She told me, go turn your minds to vines in Afghanistan. Somebody has to do this. I looked at the check. I asked Mrs. Miller. She said, you remind me of my father. And I looked and I said, who was your father? She very humbly said, 
Walt Disney. My name is Diane Disney Miller, and it took, I remember her saying, 330 no's for her father to tell the world that a mouse with ears was going to change the world. And that, of course, was Mickey Mouse. So uh, she told me one day you too will be out of the basement of your home. And that began the quest. We partnered with the United Nations Mine Action Service and then with the Halo Trust. And over 100,000 landmines were removed in the Shamali Plains located north of Kabul. Once the mines were out, however, the grapes needed to be planted. The seeds of life needed to be restored into the land. So we introduced the trellis grapevines. The first year we did that with the wooden posts that we see so often in Napa and Sonoma, they were cut down. We asked why as an American question. I learned to listen. For the Afghans told me it was the coldest winter on record. And if these posts were not cut down, they could not feed their families or keep them warm through the harsh winter. So we introduced the cement trellis vines, and it created a legend throughout Afghanistan of lifting the grapes up, pruning the vine, doubling the yield. And of course, with due respect to the Muslim culture, the grapes were never, never fermented uh, with due respect to their culture. But the grapes were then not only harvested, but we were able to export and, and to introduce these beautiful fresh fruits. With Atta, you know, were called the Kabuli Wallas, uh, the fabled traders that would come uh, to India and, and to the neighboring countries to sell these beautiful fruits. One thing I would like to share with the audience today is Afghanistan is a country that is 80 percent dependent upon agriculture. And if we're going to lift this great country up, it will be through the fruits of the earth that, that continue, despite the landmines and devastation and climate change, how we've abused this one earth. The one thing it will give us is fruits. And with funding from USAID, DOD, European Union, Asian Development Bank, and the World Bank, Roots of Peace throughout the past 20 years has planted over 6 million fruit trees in all 34 provinces. And while we know the devastation of war, we know what, what August, the guns of August have brought. We as Roots of Peace must continue our, our promise, the sacred obligation that we made to the Afghan people to not step away but to continue this harvest. It is a time in our world to turn swords into plowshares, guns into shovels. And, and these young men who have lost their job since August 15th, young men, 400,000 men, Afghan men, who were well-trained by the U.S. military and, and have no jobs. The harsh winter is approaching. They either can accept jobs with nefarious organizations, or they can become prosperous farmers with roots of peace. Now, I know the world is frozen in terms of giving any funds to the current administration in Kabul. I get that. Roots of Peace is teetering along the OFAC lines to Office of uh, Foreign Assets and Control to make sure that we do not violate the, the humanitarian fire line, but we will not give up on those Afghan farmers, and we will seek to recruit them as quickly as, as others are recruiting them to, again, become prosperous farmers and with the uh, drought that ensues to build irrigation ducts and to prepare for the spring ahead. It is going to be a devastating 
devastating, uh, harsh winter months ahead. 97% of the population in Afghanistan has lost their jobs. And the current administration in Afghanistan, they too have children. So as a woman-led CEO of an American NGO, we are in the fight of our life to cultivate peace through agriculture, harvest these beautiful pomegranates in Kandahar, uh, these beautiful apples, apricots, almonds, and Ghazni Wardak Logar. The rolling harvest, of course, goes up to the Shamali Plains. We've just finished the fresh grapes and raisins. And, and up to Badakhshan, the cherries, uh, to, to the west, the beautiful saffron in Harad. And in Nangahar, Jalalabad, the oranges. Afghanistan is was once dubbed the Garden of Central Asia, and whatever flag flies, Roots of Peace serves the farmer and will continue to do so. And Atta, I thank you so much for visiting our world headquarters here in San Rafael and, and meeting our Afghan staff, those whose families are separated. You know, we have 360 employees right now here in San Rafael that we are making payroll to. Banks have closed. We have had to be very innovative in making those payments and those promises, those sacred promises to the Afghan people. We need to lead by example. The world somehow needs to find innovative ways to avoid a catastrophe and, and to help feed the people who have the fruits of the earth within their country. In 2014, Roots of Peace increased agricultural exports from, uh, from 250 million to over $1.4 billion with funding from USAID and our uh, CHAMP program, the Commercial Horticultural Agricultural Marketing Program. But because of the recent situation in August, all exports are canceled because again, we cannot support the current administration by OFAC law, but we're selling those fruits among the 34 provinces and the current administration is supportive of that. Because I'll guarantee you, the Taliban didn't just parachute into Afghanistan. They have been there on the ground. And again, Roots of Peace carries no flag. We serve the farmer and would continue with the global community as a humanitarian non-governmental organization, do the best we can to cultivate peace through agriculture and celebrate a harvest of hope 2021. Thank you, Atta, for visiting our office. You brought sunshine and glow to those who uh, normally have a very, very challenging day to meet them each and every day at the office. Thank you very much, Heidi. Ken, thank you enough. What a pleasure it was to uh, see you and your staff uh, at the headquarters. Uh, it, it was just, again, a great reminder of the fact that your uh, relationship and your love for the Afghans uh, but to also have and accommodate all those staff and have them under uh, your wings, it's just remarkable. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, now it's time for uh, our Q&A session. And uh, I want to remind us all to submit your questions, please, through chat. Um, and also remind our audiences that today's program is Roots of Peace in Afghanistan. And as our uh, speaker, as a distinguished Heidi Kuhn, CEO and founder of uh, Roots of Peace. So Heidi, uh, let's start uh, by actually going back a little bit and uh, based on my own uh, personal upbringing, of course, in Afghanistan, and uh, all I knew was really agriculture. This was amazing that 
you know, again, growing, uh, especially during high school days, thinking all the time about, you know, the economy and what really uh, keeps this country going. And that's all I could think of was was the very major and probably up to 90% um, before now until, of course, when the country became more industrialized, but then, of course, the civil society progression in the last 20 years. But that's all I remember. So to me, uh, agriculture is obviously it's, it's not only to me, but to the entire population of Afghanistan. Uh, is, is it's uh, obviously a, a very big deal. Uh, so I want to thank you for that. So again, if you can really uh, go back, I know you mentioned about uh, how you started the organization, uh, really was what was that pull, what really triggered uh, to take you into Afghanistan? Well, you know, the September 11th attacks were a tragedy to, to all of us, uh, uh, certainly in the United States. Over, over 3,000 international people were killed, not only at the, uh, uh, the Pentagon, but of course the Twin Towers. But, but um, I, I soon learned afterwards that of the 70 million landmines in 70 countries, the most heavily mined country was and is Afghanistan. And yet, conversely, it is a country, as you say, 80, 90 percent dependent upon agriculture for jobs. So it only made sense to me to go there and eradicate these seeds of hatred that were planted in the ground. They hold the land hostage, the real estate, the potential of the earth to produce vitality and, and the economics of peace, the business of peace is stunted when a landmine is planted in the ground. And somebody asked me once long ago, how many landmines does it take to prevent the cultivation of a field? Some, some people would say one. The answer is zero, because it's the fear of the presence of a landmine that will keep a farmer from cultivating their field. So, so by that generous donation by Diane Disney Miller, it really created a, a pilot project for us to begin. When we arrived in Afghanistan, because of the decades of war, that transfer of knowledge from grandfather to father to son was lost. It was a broken value chain. And when we went there, the, the Afghans were growing the grapes on mounds. It was subject to phylloxera and snakes that were hidden underneath. And by just lifting those grapes off the ground, you know, allowed them to, to see the potential of, of growing high value crops. And the traditional way, when we arrived in 2003 with my husband, Gary Kuhn, who's president of Roots of Peace and, and, and has brought his business knowledge from IBM and Adobe Systems, again, to creating a business model for peace with me, um, uh, they were harvesting on midday on burlap sacks, dragging these beautiful grapes to market and expecting a meager, meager profit. Well, by the introduction of these trellis grapevines and, and the planting of, of these fruit trees throughout the various provinces, you know, some may say that the United States has, has lost, you know, the billions of dollars that were invested in Afghanistan were worthless. Well, I beg to argue in the midst of this harvest season, for we have planted sustainable peace through agriculture. It took time. It took patience. It took 10 years when that seed is planted for that fruit tree to grow. But those trees are bearing fruit 
throughout the country of Afghanistan. And while, again, um, uh, I'm extremely disappointed that we can't continue the, the exports because that's the economic machine that's going to drive Afghanistan. You know, we were able to export to India, Pakistan, Delhi, Dubai, you know, and the potential for China and Badakhshan going up to, to Almaty and going on the, the One Belt, One Road and, and selling these fruits to, to China, to Beijing. You know, it's supply and, and demand. This beautiful, again, country that shaped like a leaf. It really is when you step back and look at it in perspective. But it, 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 it is to restore it as the garden of Central Asia. That is the legacy that Roots of Peace has left behind. And with the many donors, international donors, not only, uh, again, um, U.S. donors, but Asian Development Bank, uh, the Japanese, and, and others. Um, we need to find a way, in my humble opinion, while respecting, of course, the, the OFAC laws, but we need to break the ice somehow and, and, and be able to work with NGOs to, to serve the people. Otherwise, uh, if we continue to close our eyes and look away right now and hope that the World Food Program is going to come in with food, drop it off at the airport and not be able to get it into these remote provinces, the asset that Roots of Peace has is, is trust. We've been there for, for 20 years. We know the local mullahs. And as those fruit trees, fruit um, uh, trucks drive out and sell their, their beautiful bounty to the local uh, and neighboring provinces, those fruit trees, fruit trucks come back empty. And what Roots of Peace this past week, I'm so proud through the generous donations that were given to Roots of Peace shortly after the uh, August 15th fall of Kabul, uh, we raised $27,000 from the local donor community. Now, that may not sound like much, but what has happened uh, since August is there were 500,000 IDPs, uh, internationally displaced people, who converged from the various provinces around Kabul, thinking Kabul will never fall. Well, they were sleeping on the dirt, and, 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 and they brought their clothes and five and six children with them, but, but they, they came with the shirts on their back. So Roots of Peace through this funding was able this past week to deliver tents, blankets, water, food. And, and that's not in our traditional uh, bailiwick, so to speak, but, but we were able to have those photos and, and show the proof of concept. So we need, I think, as a world, not just to sit back and observe, we need to find proactive, innovative ways in which we can, can serve the people. Again, serve the farmer, not the flag, but avoid the catastrophe of starvation, of, 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 uh, you know, lack of shelter and, and the children, the children who, who will suffer the most uh, in the coming months. We need to pull together as a world and plant the roots of peace in Afghanistan. We're poised to do this. Um, the current administration wants to work with women. As a woman CEO, I'm here not in a flexing my arm way, but I'm here as a mother and, and a grandmother now, four children and four grandchildren. And, and, and I take my footsteps very, very seriously. And I think we need to celebrate with a basket of fresh fruit, uh, celebrate this harvest of hope and inspire global citizens uh, to think in creative, grounded, legal, licit ways to work with other non-governmental organizations and join hands in the dark 
to avert catastrophe in Afghanistan. Thank you, Heidi. I really appreciate that uh, feedback and um, that insight. Uh, of course, you know, one thing that we cannot ignore is the fact that the growth of uh, civil society in the last 20 years and all of the progress and, of course, uh, uh, the, you know, education, for example, and the role of women, the empowerment of women in Afghanistan. Uh, and just based on your own experience from the, you know, let's say going back uh, from the early days to now, how do you how did you notice that change in the role of women uh, mm -hmm. coming to the picture? Of course, women has always been side by side, you know, the big part of the Afghanistan's economy, even in the past, to be honest. And I think of agriculture and all of the farming that did occur and who supported them was, of course, it was all through the support of women working very hard side by side. As a matter of fact, even participating as you know, in the physical work of uh, agriculture. Mm -hmm. And that was something was, that was very visible to all of us. But uh, just again, thinking about the role of women in terms of what you saw, the difference between the time of entry and let's say up to now, how would you see the comparison and the fact also maybe a little bit talk a little bit about the growth of agriculture with the machinery or this maybe modernization of agriculture in Afghanistan. If you could talk a little bit about that also, that would be oh, Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's very complex right now, Atta, uh, because, you know, we have, again, 360 Afghans who are directly employed by Roots of Peace. And, and, and of those, we are reaching out into the 34 provinces and impacting over 2,000 women directly right now. Through our programs, $30 million uh, uh, continued to be funded by USAID and $45 million uh, continued to be funded by the United States, um, U.S. Department of State, INL, International Narcotics and Law Enforcement. We've been creating alternative agricultural crops to poppies. And again, I remain very grateful to my country for the continuing delicate balancing act that we are all embarking and pioneering on, not to step on one political landmine of OFAC, very serious and respected boundaries, but to get the job done. So, so, so I speak every week to our Roots of Peace Afghan women's team, and I had an extraordinary conversation just yesterday. Now, what we've been able to do to sustain the, the inroads that have been made, we've invested in, in for the women who, who must stay home for security reasons right now. Um, in scanners, in high-speed internet, uh, the finance directors are having to work from their homes. Not normally a practice done, but I think we've all learned from COVID-19, workarounds, ways in which we can get the job done. So, so, so the executive team is empowered with those, again, uh, tools of technology that allow them to communicate with me here in California. And then those women who are in the field want jobs because again over 90 percent of the people have lost their jobs so so they want to work and they don't necessarily you know in Nangahar or Fada uh, Baglis uh, want to leave their country their family their mothers and fathers but they want jobs and and so we're finding innovative ways for instance in Kandahar uh, uh, we call it our, our our chicks program and and we bring these respecting again the local culture the very you know hard hard line 
tradition, right? I mean, we just have to be respectful of, of the environment we're working with in any country. But we bring these little baby yellow chicks inside and, and we provide the barb, you know, the wire, the chicken wire and, and the feed and, and the women inside grow these little chicks and, and they grow up and they lay eggs and the eggs are provide protein for the family. And then the men are go, able to go out there and sell the eggs. So they come back inside of the house and encourage the women, more chicks, more chicks, more eggs, you know, feeding, giving protein to their children and, and the economic potential. So I think if we can find workarounds right now, um, not just to say, hey, we give up. <laughs> um, I heard another story yesterday about the almonds. The almonds are ripe and, and, and uh, they're being picked, but they need to be shelled so that the traders can bring them to market. Well, that's something the women are able to do. Now, what's been happening is, you know, when they would be paid, you know, typically 6,000 AFs, you know, people are taking advantage, of course, of the women and, and you know, lowering that considerably, uh, less than half. Well, we've talked to some other traders who, who, who are going to try, again, to have those workarounds and, and purchase them at fair market value. So, again, we don't use this terrible situation to, to go back to the Stone Age where, you know, women are, are, are willing to take pennies and dust for, for the work, the, the worth of a woman, the work of a woman in, in in, um, you know, achieving those goals. Um, in, with the saffron, for instance, in Herat, you know, it's the dexterity of the women's small fingers to be able to take um, from the puppies and, and, and the beautiful saffron and again, be able to properly package it so that the traders then can take it to market. The women are very afraid. Many of them, uh, some I am trying to evacuate. Those who are of Hazara background, uh, some one woman in particular uh, was highly visible in, in starting a company. Um, she was really a poster child, so to speak, for the U.S. Uh, government and in, in her success. Um, I actually mentored her and uh, she started, uh, she expanded her program to hiring 80 women uh, to work yeah. for her. Um, but she's being hunted right now. And, and in those situations where you have highly visible women where it, uh, I, I just don't know what to say. I, I, I hold my breath every morning uh, when I reach out and I do call a handful of these women that, that are clearly at the highest of risk because of the social media and the visibility that they have received uh, in these uh, trade uh, organizations. Um, you know, uh, again, a year or two years ago, uh, you, people weren't people, meaning the supermarket chains in, in India, um, Reliance and Big Bazaar, they, they weren't going to come into Afghanistan. It was too dangerous with the fighting going on, but they knew it has the best fruits in the world. So, so what Roots of Peace did, again, thinking with social innovation, we brought the traders to Gulf Food in Dubai and, and you know, again, reintroduced the juicy nectar of the Afghan fruits to the traders and, again, helped to increase uh, agricultural exports from $250 million to $1.4 um, That is still 
actually going on. The traders have found ways to go through Spinboldak, Torcom border, um, and, and get their get their fruits to market. Now, we have nothing to do with that because we can't, again, by OFAC laws, support that anymore. But again, when you asked me about a legacy and uh, what we've left behind, it, it's that transfer of knowledge. It's trained the trainer. And, and to me, it's a very beautiful thing. It was uh, about a million dollars worth of cucumbers uh, and pine nuts were sold just this past week and um, traders did it all by themselves. And I think um, if I have a dream, it's to work in Afghanistan for at least another decade and, and ultimately as the situation clears, be able to further train the farmer, establish the highest modern uh, technological innovations, cold storage refrigeration so they don't have to harvest in the middle of the night under the hot, you know, middle of the day under the hot sun and, you know, dragging them to market. But you you have cold storage facilities. You have corrugated boxes. You, you pack the apples according to size. You brand it with Afghan fresh fruits. And then Roots at Peace built the um, first cold storage refrigeration at the Hamid Karzai International Airport. So, you know, those are, are things that have been left behind. Uh, Afghan people are, are some of the kindest, oh my goodness, um, I, I would say just generally most loving, kind, I mean, Rumi, the poet. Yeah, you know, well, thank and, you. It's, and, a, it's a remarkable, uh, Heidi, as you indicated, and I love the fact that the, the focus, again, on the opportunity which exists in Afghanistan, and while the international community um, and all the parties involved in neighboring countries and all in these conversations and negotiations, and knowing and understanding that Afghanistan is really, really facing some dire conditions and uh, probably a looming really a disaster, humanitarian disaster uh, with the upcoming winter. Uh, but overall, I think that if there's one obvious factor, uh, economically speaking, that we can um, build on and hopefully be hopeful for, that is actually a, the, you know available and that's really easy to do again because it's something which is in the nature and the DNA of this country is agriculture. So that's, again, I, I love the fact that you keep focusing on what the potential is and where we could be going. And again, and I thank you again for expanding on the role of women uh, and for your support in that area. So one of the questions, uh, Heidi, from the uh, audience, and there are a few questions here, but one of them actually referred to something that has been a real disappointing area, which in my mind has not been a focus uh, from the very beginning and that is the eradication of opium. So the question is that as the opium, um, the growth of opium is still a problem. And how does, if there is any way, what, how does um, Roots of Peace deal with opium? I know that it's not something that I, but maybe if you can comment on that as to how do you see that? Mm -hmm. um, well, so we, we've dealt with uh, opium head on. For, for well over a decade. And uh, uh, in, under the Obama administration, uh, we worked with Secretary Tom Vilsack, who's again, our Secretary of Agriculture in the United States. Uh, my husband and I did a white paper. And, and uh, when we met with him, it was actually on the back of his business card. And it goes as such, if an average Afghan farmer grows a low value crop, such as wheat, they'll, they'll earn $800 a year. If they grow poppies, they'll make $1,200 a year. If they grow high value crops such as grapes and pomegranates, which have the potential for export, 
$4,000. So we don't go tete-a-tete with the drug lords. We just allow the farmers to make that economic decision by themselves uh, to, to um, you know, it, it's really restoring the value chain. Uh, demine, replant, rebuild. And uh, the economic opportunities by providing alternative agricultural crops to poppies has been a flagship model. And that is why we have uh, continued to receive the funding from uh, uh, U.S. Department of State, INL, uh, because it's working. It's it's just a business decision. And, and the farmers look to the other fields and say, hey, we could grow this and we're going to make more. So, so um, you know, it's really been a successful model. And I think the current administration in Afghanistan also has concern because there are so many opium addicts, so many Afghans who are severely addicted to opium. And, and that takes away the workforce there, whatever side of the flag you're flying. Um, but, but, you know, it is concern uh, among the local population. So um, Roots of Peace has dealt with that. Again, part of our, our legacy for the past 20 years. And um, I'm very proud of our ability to provide high value crops and, and increase the income of the Afghans. Um, it's, it's, um, it's just not me giving lip service. This is uh, the, the proof of concept on the ground are the farmers. And again, I, these are over the past 20 years, this isn't just a job for me. This isn't just employees. This is my family you're talking about. And why I got on a plane with Cheryl Jennings and flew one more family we got out. And, and hopefully, inshallah, we're going to get another family. My director of technology here in California has not seen his wife and two small children, age nine and five, due to COVID because U.S. Embassy was closed and they had asylum, but just needed one little signature. But I, I would really like to extend my gratitude to the United States of America. While this is a catastrophe for all of us, they are working very, very hard to help evacuate those most at risk. And I've seen it with my own eyes in both Washington and Doha. And inshallah, I'm going to get our manifest list of, of 34 out and, and then deal with the rest of the 360 because we're going to have to work within Afghanistan. We cannot evacuate the country, but we have to make prosperous farmers. And again, if I have one thing to leave behind, Atta, it is those 400,000 well-trained, American-trained Afghan soldiers who no longer have jobs and are at risk to being recruited, uh, not by the Taliban, but, you know, other nefarious sources. So, you know, you get, you know, you get a civil war going there and, and you have, you're going to wish you had this opportunity to employ them as, as agronomists, as, as farmers, um, uh, because, uh, you know, you don't want to have to put this genie back into the bottle again. This is uh, an opportunity. Uh, we need funding and, and we need to correctly uh, uh, ask the international community to invest and, uh, you know, again, with the proper guidelines to support the people, the farmer and not the flag. Thank you. Thank you for that. And that's a great reminder, of course, as uh, we really think about people, as there are really, uh, it's the vulnerable people ultimately in Afghanistan that are um, suffering and will be the target. So anything that we can do um, in all levels is about really the focus on people. And uh, thank you for your doing your part. So let me take you as far as talking about people, uh, Heidi, uh, and in terms of your level of comfort 
and the impression of Afghanistan and Afghan people in particular, and you had something that's obviously very uh, uh, touching and personal that you actually took your own daughter at some point to Afghanistan. And talk about that a little bit about how, how did that, what's her impression and what impression did it leave on uh, her, but also uh, how comfortable were you in doing so? Yeah, well, as I say, I'm born and raised in a beautiful place called Marin County, California, and I'm a mother of four children, but I have a, a daughter, and I think that rite of passage to your daughter is to, to, to show them a world that is beyond the borders, uh, the beautiful borders of Marin County, which is the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge, and uh, when she was 13 years old, I took her to her first minefield in Croatia, and she was able to see that not all children could buy the latest pair of blue jeans. Um, there were other things more important, and that was being able to kick a soccer ball out of bounds without wow. losing your leg. So so it really touched her very, very deeply. And uh, with my dear friend and colleague, Cheryl Jennings, um, uh, at that time, ABC7 News anchor, um, three of us went out to lunch. Uh, Cheryl had invited me for an interview. My daughter was just out of school. And uh, we realized talking among each other that the three of us had been to a minefield. Cheryl had covered in Kosovo. I had taken my daughter to Croatia. And so she was very inspired at age 16 to start a penny campaign. And she raised pennies for peace. Kylie went to over 70 schools as a young teenager and, and raised 50 million American pennies to build schools to, for girls in Afghanistan. And those schools remain today in a place called Mir Bochakot and Bam Sarai, which means rooftop of the world. It's above uh, Bamyan. Uh, we went and met with the first woman governor of Afghanistan, uh, Dr. Habibi Sarabi, who was you know, where the giant Buddhas were bombed out. And Kylie went on her 18th birthday with me to Afghanistan. And if she hadn't seen enough in Croatia, she really saw, you know, uh, firsthand the impact of what those pennies can do for the children. 600 girls went to school there and, and, you know, times 10 years, you think about how many children have been educated by the pennies raised by an American little girl. Um, it was about a decade ago, it was 2005 that I took Kylie there. So we had the privilege then of getting around, moving around a little more freely than we have in the last several years. But um, we went to uh, uh, beautiful places called Bondemir, I remembered. And um, I remember jumping in and, you know, I was on the swim team in high school, right? So I, I jumped into the lake and, and our poor staff thought I had drowned and, and fallen forever to the bottom of the crater. But I did come up and, and so did Kylie. And it's just beautiful memories of beautiful country. Uh, Bondemir is, is just like these turquoise lakes and, and uh, you, know, you know, out beyond Bamyan. But we drove there. 13,000 feet high into the uh, Hindu Kush mountains. And, and my memories of Afghanistan are beautiful. Um, it's been the saddest two and a half months of my life. It's been the most challenging in my entire professional career. Um, uh, you know, the decisions that I've had to make in terms of evacuation um, makes Schindler's List look pale. Um, it's very, very, very difficult. And as I say, each and every day, I hold my breath. Um, you know, I'm an optimist, but I'm also a pragmatist. And, um, but I am a determined woman. And, and anybody who knows me knows I'm not one to give up. And, mm -hmm. um, 
And, and these are times, these are times for bold moments and, and to take our experience, to hold hands in the dark as a world community and, and step back. Yes, we know the guns of August. We know what happened in Afghanistan. That's now in the rearview mirror. What are we going to do? We have a few weeks, not months left to get this right. So um, I hope people can, can join us. Please donate to rootsofpeace.org. We will promise you we will make every penny count and, and um, amp up our work in, in Afghanistan right now. Thank you, Heidi, again, appreciate that. And there's obviously a question also from our audience related to the question uh, not only about Afghanistan, as to how your work is going to continue and how hopeful are you to work with the current regime, let's say, moving forward, but also the tagging on based on this question from our audience, uh, Norma, is um, how about other countries or, or is work continues uh, through other continents and countries uh, by a piece of roots? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all I can say from, from a humanitarian heart, and, and again, from a mother and a grandmother, um, I'm here to feed the children, okay? And, and to stand with a basket of fruit and, and to celebrate a harvest of hope if the Taliban says that they want to work with women, um, um, it's time to show it. It's time to show Taliban 2.0. Um, working in other countries, um, I continue to work in other countries. We're working actually in Guatemala right now. And instead of building higher walls at our borders, Roots of Peace seeks to build longer tables, meaning we keep the Guatemalan people at home. We uh, uh, just submitted a, a, a grant to USAID um, uh, to, to grow the avocados, the onions, the coffee, and provide export markets. Now, while there's no physical landmines there, it is post-conflict. And, and to create jobs and prosperity for the Guatemalan farmers so they don't have to come up to our borders. They will be content to, again, break bread with their families at home, uh, invest in, in, again, building longer tables by means of uh, agricultural crops. We continue also to work in Vietnam. We've worked there since 2010. My son, Tucker Kuhn, actually um, began that project. Um, you know, it's remarkable to me as a graduate of UC Berkeley. And my day, it was a draft card when you talked about Vietnam. Um, it's a proud moment for me as a mother to know that my son is drafting peace. Um, he helped work uh, with the Vietnamese government in Quang Tri province, which is the central highlands. And for those who are old enough in my generation to know the Vietnam War, that was uh, Quang Tri, Cam Lo, Dong Ha, uh, Khe San. And 80% of that land is riddled with landmines, UXOs, and primarily cluster munitions that were dropped at the end of the war. So we're demining that land and then planting the black pepper and selling it to Morton and Bassett Spice Company on the other side of the ocean. So, you know, that again is the business plan uh, that we have with Roots of Peace, restoring the value chain, providing the economics of peace. And my dear friend and uh, mentor, I've been so blessed to um, have so many wonderful people in my life who have mentored me. Um, I, I always love the quote by Sir Isaac Newton, if I've seen further than others, it's only because I've stood on the shoulders of giants 
giants. And one of those giants to me is Ambassador Kenneth Quinn. Uh, right before the world closed with COVID, we began January 2020 with a clear vision to eradicate all the landmines in Kwong Tree. Uh, he went with me and his lovely wife, uh, Laysan, um, and, and uh, we are continuing that quest. And he was the former ambassador of Cambodia. And I was just on the phone to him earlier today thinking how we can even expand into all of Southeast Asia. If I have a dream, Atta, it is to demine the world. And, oh, and, that's and remarkable. Thank put you. myself out of business and Thank plant you. the roots of peace because ag grows on all these former war Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. As in, especially as in light of obviously the climate changes, uh, you know, change uh, challenges that are talked about and all. And again, it's what happens in the area of agriculture worldwide. It's a remarkable, remarkable uh, uh, area of opportunity for everybody. But especially as far as the countries that are, that you are, you know, you have your footprint and the, with the social impact uh, type of focus that you're bringing in your, your organization, uh, we can't thank you enough for that. Um, let me just get back to a little bit to, uh, as you continue your work around the world, and that's a remarkable job again, thank you. Uh, how hopeful are you to be able to work with the current government in the future of Afghanistan and your organization's role uh, in there? How do you see that based on what's happening? And, uh, and of course, you just went to Doha, not that it was part of the any negotiation or any conversation with these people, but I'm wondering if you have any insight about what do you think might happen or are they willing to work with you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I, I would I would hope they would want to work with me. I, again, I'm feeding their children and helping create prosperity uh, uh, and, and carbon credits. Every one, each one of those six million fruit trees planted is helping with climate change, right? So we need to see this um, not not with silos. We need we need to expand. I think our horizon and. Um, Again, I work in in Vietnam. I'm not communist. Um, you know, I, I uh, I've worked with China. We have offices there, um, and and I work in Afghanistan right now. And um, uh, if the day once comes where I am invited uh, to meet the, with the government from a humanitarian, never a political, holding a basket of fruit, I uh, would be honored to do so if it would help the children and again the poorest of people living in the most remote regions. So um, it's a humanitarian high note, but I, I certainly um, have the courage and, and uh, the faith in the Afghan people. Well, thank you. And on that note also, maybe there's a good news that we have a kind of a special uh, baby or a child in our own backyard. Uh, I think I maybe have mentioned something a little bit the other day that one of the uh, a small two-year-old child that was handed over to an American soldier and some other family uh, basically uh, decided to bring him on in the United States. And now this uh, child actually knows in our own backyards in Turlock, uh, Northern California, for which we are really delighted that we'll be able to hopefully um, uh, get his parents by up here so that we can uh, be part of that. And, uh, and the current government to work with us and everybody. But anyway, I just wanted to, on a kind of a light note, I wanted to mention that. I wish we had more uh, time for more questions, but I think I will just uh, will uh, address one more question, uh, Heidi, and that is um, obviously on the political side, there is a question from audience about uh, whether uh, 
United States would have been better off uh, leaving 2,000, 2,500 soldiers to have a peaceful type of withdrawal of all these uh, people that are still living in uh, or remaining in Afghanistan. So with that, maybe a short comment from you as to how you see that, but I know that's everybody would have wished that there was yeah. a case. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? And, and a lot of things we know went very, very wrong uh, through multiple administrations. I don't think we can point a finger uh, one or the other, but but I, I am so proud of the sustainable peace through agriculture that we have left behind. I do consider that a victory. I think the education of the women to become farmers and traders and, and uh, the trade routes, the restoration of the Kabuli Wallas, um, who who are now back in business, and I think once the dust settles, uh, the the neighboring markets have had a taste of the juicy nectar of that special Afghan fruit, and they'll find ways to trade. Um, you know, my deepest prayers are are with the Afghan people right now, and um, I believe so deeply that we are all daughters and sons of Abraham, and and we need to respect the seeds we have in common rather than those which separate us. And as I say, as a, not just a CEO, but as a grandmother, um, I will use every breath, every footsteps that I may take to plant the roots of peace in Afghanistan and worldwide. Remarkable. Thank you for that. We all I know the entire Afghan nation and people around the world appreciate what you do. Thank you for the quality work. Uh, it is time. I wish we had more time for more questions and more interaction, but I believe you did a remarkable job of touching really some very important elements that even came through the questions and you addressed them. So I want to thank you. And it's time to close today's program. I want to thank Heidi Kuhn, CEO and founder of Roots of Peace. And with that, uh, now it's time to adjourn our uh, meeting. Atta, I would just like Friday. to close by showing your two books. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they were signed in my office, and you really should all go out and get it The Global Citizen and the beautiful book written by Atta, Lost Decency. So, just want to give a good plug for you because um, you are a near and dear friend and uh, certainly a very accomplished author. And uh, there should Thank be you. a feature on your journey uh, to America from Afghanistan. You inspire me, and I'm very proud to call you my friend. Thank you very much again for everything. And uh, it is uh, now with this, uh, our meeting of today's Commonwealth Club of California is adjourned. Uh, a Commonwealth Club of California, of course, celebrating 117 years of uh, discussions and healthy discussions, I should say. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Heidi. The Commonwealth Club's annual gala and Distinguished Citizens Awards will celebrate seven frontline physicians and Nobel laureate Dr. Jennifer Doudna. Join us on November 19th for a virtual event and support the club. Text CLUB2021 to 41444 to register and donate today. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support. Thank you.